G'day, friends of the show. If you'd like to support the show and get access to bonus content each week, you can go to ideasdigest.org, sign up, become a super friend of the show. Other ways you can support the show, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. One final note, as Matt and I prepare new content for the new seasons and new episodes of Ideas Digest, and as we head to the front line of the culture war, we need you to show us the way. The topics we explore and the politically charged landmines that we step on along the way come directly from you, friends of the show. So send through at any time, send through on Instagram, that's where I'm most active, you can chat with me there. Uh, send me through your Facebook feuds, your family feuds, your friendship splits, any topic, whether it be just your classic culture war 101, religious disagreements, political divides, wherever people are divided about ideas, generally split into two, that's where we want to go because where there's division, there's always something deeper going on and Matt and I want to go head first and keep exploring these ideas. So thank you so much for your support. I'm right and you're wrong. Once you start labeling people, categorizing of humans and ideas, you have desensitized yourself to the humanity of that other human being, to who they really are. And in the marketplace of ideas, these things are complicated, man. We all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints. A genuine multicultural connection with another. I mean, sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree. You just need to sit with it and digest. I do believe that God answers prayers, but I don't think he answers all of them. And I think that reason is because maybe he isn't capable of answering the prayer. I was in the church wholeheartedly for four decades, grew up in it, and I just haven't seen the evidence that prayer is real. I, I've had people praying for me and nothing's changed. What I struggled with was that to me it, it seemed to disempower me to actually take the courageous steps to go and flip and find a way to heal myself. So instead of, are you struggling with depression? Why don't we find you a really good clinical psychologist? They'll just pray for me. And then that was it. And I also felt a bit like people saying, well, let's pray about it. With sidestepping, just sitting the shit with me and just going, this is fucking awful. And I know this is too rude to put on the thing, but that's, that's how I felt. Just tell me, just sit and go, this is horrible. Don't pray for me. I used to believe that God would answer yes, no, or maybe, um, and that he would sort of dole out answers from the sky. <laughs> now I believe that um, answered prayer is more my thoughts and intentions being in alignment with what the universe has for me, what the source has for me. I don't know. I don't know about prayer. I just don't know. G'day and welcome back to another episode of Ideas Digest, the podcast where we take a look at the ideas that divide us. Boy, there's a lot of them these days. We're just trying to open our minds, try on some new ideas, see what we think when we encounter a new perspective. My name's Conrad. This is Matt. Matt, uh, there's so many mixed opinions. Uh, I'm getting the impression that this episode is is your part two on prayer, yes? Mm-hmm, 100%, yeah. So... Larry Dossie, he uh, did, if you haven't listened, I think you really, to get the most out of this episode, I would go back to part one, where I did part one, did my crazy uh, Pentecostal uh, treasure mm. hunt, treasure which hunt. was uh, semi-illegal, semi, anyway, go back. <laughs> stalking, 20% it was stalking, 70% yeah, awkwardness. You borderline stalking. Um, and you can listen to that. And I opened up his first book, which was a massive bestseller. And he is a medical doctor, became deconstructed from uh, Christianity, I think, became an agnostic and then discovered the studies on prayer and thought, hey, screw this. I don't know what prayer is. I'm just going to go back into it. So it was a non-religious form of prayer, basically, that he is now massively passionate about, which is super interesting, depending on your background, like mine being a washed up preacher. This is interesting content. Well, to add to that, Matt, I've been chatting to friends of the show, some super friends of the show, I like to call them, our plus subscriber members and just general friends of the show. And I got a poll to introduce, like prayer. This is something people are very interested in. Oh, wow. Uh, I put up a poll, is prayer useful? And we I had, see this. yeah, we had an 80-20 split. Which way you wow. went, do you think it went? Oh, man. There's some burnout people in our crew. Maybe it's a, but maybe they're still hopeful. I'm going to go with the positive. It's useful. 80% yes. Yes, it is. 80%. Great. 80% said prayer is useful, 20% okay. not. And then I took, took it to the next level. Had, have you had a prayer answered? I was, I was thinking, surely, like, 
that silent big old God in the sky, you know, a lot of people who have stepped away from church going, he never answered my prayers. It was a 78, 78 to whatever's remaining, 22. Is that 22, right? yeah, you math. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, a 78 to 22 split. Wow. People had their prayers answered. After d- putting my head into this for a while, and this is actually something as you... Again, looking from part one, this is something that I've, I've wrestled with because I think everyone has that prayer story where it's very difficult to explain. Like you go, yeah, like it could have been chance. Yeah, it could like, but then you, you feel like it's, it's harder to make excuses for it than to just be like, wow, this is pretty damn amazing. And being um, an ex-pastor, I've heard enough like from around the traps, they would say in Australia, mm-hmm. like I've heard enough to be like, convinced within myself so if i was to answer that poll now i'd definitely say yes and you'd be a yes guy yeah i definitely would be a yes guy and i think even across culture i think we have enough data to suggest yes and um larry man larry's gonna i think he's gonna actually push you conrad he's gonna actually push you conrad into into a, a, a healthier place for you. This is what I'm going oh, to You want to move me into a healthier yeah, place? Yeah, yeah. This I'm going to start the new age superiority complex that I think you need something. Oh, you want to sell me something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've already pitched some of these ideas to Sarah. In, we're in the car and I was like, hey, babe, I'm going to talk about this. And we end up fighting because... Um, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> this is probably common with many friends of the show. Like you bring up, you know, especially... So you try and like, you know, she's very triggered. Uh, I call her Sarah Harris. Um, mm. Short for Sam Harris, mm. but some of the, yeah. So she gets very triggered Same by some ideas. of this stuff, and um, I was just like, I was just like, babe, like I see this as a way of expanding an experience. Like I'm not trying to teach you, I'm not trying to sell you something. She's like, this is just coming across to me, like you're pitching to me something, and I don't want anything to do with it. I think it's stupid. And I'm like, okay, okay. And then just went. We, we had an awkward silence, and you know, just driving <laughs> along in the car, and no one saying anything. We're both saving. <laughs> and then like time goes past. I'm sorry, babe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, that came a lot later in the night, actually, because we see for a while. <laughs> well, religion get, religion does divide, Matt, even yep. households. And, you know, we joke about it, but it actually probably like is a, quite a serious, you know, when someone shifts belief systems, it ditches it all, but it remains a very important part. Like many friends of the show, have, they've, as they've indicated, mm. uh, it's very, it's still a very central part, I guess, for people, you know, some people, friends of the show said, you know, they're not, lets them know they're not alone. Like it serves like a, a lot of this. Uh, it helps a lot of people, but then it also hurts a lot of people. Obviously, hence why it's divided. Hence why we're talking about it. So, Matt, you've you've read this book. You're gonna, it you you you're prepping me, saying it might come across like you're trying to sell me something. And listen, I'm in the market. I'm in the market. I'm wow, pretty okay. tight with my. I'm tight with my wallet though. You, yeah, right. Really, I, I know really that, gonna, but I'm like, I okay. Can, do you want me to set? Do you want me to set up a context so you know who the customer you're selling to? Do you want me to give yeah. you a little anecdote yeah, of it. like prayer anecdote, Conrad? So yep. here's Conrad's prayer experience. If, if I was to answer the poll, it'd be a tough one. I'd probably say, is prayer useful? But like, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of convinced by your last episode. I'm like, yeah, may, maybe it's useful. Have I ever had a prayer answered? I could probably convince myself I had, but if I'm just honest in this moment, I'd go, Beyond like placeboing myself into going, I guess that would answer. I'd say no, and so I'll tell you a story. Back in back in the day, single single Conrad pursuing single <laughs> single young Brooke. Oh, no, this is you a know? single prayer. <laughs> the, yes, the the God, world of dating. There's someone out there for me. <laughs> I hope hope she's blonde, <laughs> loves God. It's tough, mate. There's nothing more important. So, you know, young Christian yeah. Conrad is praying about a girl. And there's this girl that is just hard to get, really hard to get. Her name's Brooke. And I'm at a summer camp and I'm you know, trying to like incidentally bump into this girl mm. and spend time with her and be funny around lots of groups of Slash people. stalking like I did with that previous episode. <laughs> Way smoother, Matt. <laughs> I, I like to think I will ask Brooke. But Way smoother. It's true. It's definitely more more incidental. Oh, hey, what's going on? Think of a funny joke, Conrad. Um, right. God has a word for me. That's a good one. People can use that. Yeah. I never. I was never that great kind of kind of Christian. I was never like God's right. told me that you're going to be in my life. That is friggin'. I think that's a whole new level. Anyway, so I'm actually having some success, Matt. Where we're spending some time together. 
I'm, I'm kind of funny. There's some one-on-one time on the beach at this summer camp. I'm like, this is this is golden, golden stuff. Anyway, comes to clinch time. Conrad's like, seal the deal, mate. Ask her out. Like, formally make this a formal arrangement. And I go for it. We're sitting on we're sitting on the beach, and wow. I go, hey, um, hey, Brooke, I, like, you know. I really like hanging out with you. Listen, I don't know what I said. It's probably wasn't as smooth as I'm probably coming across now. Uh, you know, I really like it if you know we could continue doing this. Maybe you know, go out more. Maybe be my girlfriend if that's how people ask each other out these days. Can't remember what I said, but it was a the proposition of going long term. So me. it wasn't even special friends. You know, special friends because we're waiting for each other. Purity culture style. <laughs> Liberal Conrads went, nah, they were dating. Well, yeah, date, there's zero problem with dating in my world. Like, none whatsoever. Sex, oh, no, no, no. It's, that's too yeah, far. Right, right. But yep. dating, kissing, yep. totally cool. Totally yeah, fine okay. with kissing. So, I never kissed dating goodbye or kissing goodbye. Um, right. So, Josh, Joshua Harris reference there, friend of the show. And, yeah. and so, she rejects me, Matt. I know it's hard to believe. She looks at me and goes... Listen, I actually think maybe more purity culture Brooke was more like, mm, I don't see myself marrying you, um, you know, so, you know, it's probably not going to happen. I'm like, geez. Did you switch it quickly? Did the switcheroo, with it, which is what I've done when I've been bro- like, broken up with? It's just like, no, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> no way. I was like, <laughs> I was like, well, okay. Like I try and play it cool. Like I'm not hurt. And then, the, you know, the, and this was like midway through the summer camp and then, but then we're, we're kind of spending a bit of time together. And I'm like, isn't this, she's just kind of rejecting me. What, what's going on here? I'm just confused. She's already doesn't want to be my girlfriend. But then we're hanging out and having a good time. I'm just being funny, classic, good looking Conrad. And probably not back in the day. We can imagine teenage Conrad. Well, no, young adult Conrad. At least you thought you did. That gave you the confidence that you needed. That's, right? And that's what it's all about, Matt, if we do an episode mm. on getting girls. So I'm surfing after these like back and forth, rejected. I've been rejected. But she's toying with me. Why is she even hanging out with me? I'm so confused, Matt. I'm a confused young single guy. And I don't know what's going on. And so I do what every young Christian single male does. I pray. I'm out surfing. Straight to the Lord. By myself. Capital L. (laughs) Dear Lord. Dear Jesus. as, As I like to lead. Dear Jesus. You know. I really like Brooke. I would really like to go long term with Brooke. I just need. Like. I'm so confused. And. So much sexual tension. I'm so confused. <laughs> Please give me a sign that we will be together. And I'm like, perfect. Like God gave signs in the Bible. He's going to give me a sign because God cares about this and me. And did you talk to a talking donkey? You just walk past a donkey. It's just like, yes, <laughs> Bro- Brooke is the one. I was hoping for a manta ray to pop its little head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give me a fin thumbs up. And I, I was going, okay, what's like a perfect sign? The waves are kind of barreling. And, and at this point early in my surfing career, I'd really like a barrel. And I was like, God, please give me a sign, this specific sign. If Brooke and I are never going to be together, give me a kick-ass barrel. And I will know. I will know. (laughs) Pretty dumb sign there. Come on. Like, you don't just get barrels out of nowhere. There's weather conditions. I'm turning turning Sam Harris right now. Like, this is just... It it could have barreled. Like, it was barreling, but I don't think I was good enough to get in one. Right. Okay? So, it's more like the miracle's on me. The miracle's on, like... Mm. Surfer Conrad to just kind of pull in, just be in there and just like, oh no, it's all over. Crying tears, been in the sick barrel. That's how it, you know, it could have happened. Anyway, I'm surfing for the next hour. I'm actually really trying. I would like to catch a barrel. I didn't, I didn't get a barrel, Matt. I didn't. And it's sad actually. Yeah. So I'm going, okay, I guess, I guess I am going to be with Brooke (laughs) because I didn't get a barrel. Because if I'm not going to end up with Brooke, then I'll get a barrel. And I guess I'm married to Brooke. But I'm also not convinced that was an answer to prayer because I just think statistically. So anyway, I don't know if that's a story of an answer to prayer or, or not. I, I'm just I'm not convinced that it was. Well, no wonder you're, you're on the fence because you've had some pretty lame experiences with prayer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, that's all I got. I wish there was something more dramatic in there. Come on. You needed to go to the Solomons. That's where everyone had the stories. I know. So that, that's all I've got. <laughs> yeah, that's what, I know that's you, Jada. All right, we'll, we'll jump into this because, <laughs> I mean, I, this is going to go from basic 
we went to, I think we were a little bit more basic last, uh, last time we did this episode. This part two is going to go straight to advanced. So again, just a warning, part one, but if you're just ready straight for advanced, let's just go straight into it. So yep. Larry is basically in this presenting a, I, you'd say just probably like a, like a framework of how prayer, how he sees the world. This is him, I think, towards the end of his life now. It's recently out. So it's called One Mind, how our individual mind is part of a greater consciousness and why and why it matters. So why our mind is part of a greater consciousness and why it matters. Mm. So it's sort of, this is his big, you would say, like how I interpreted it. He had his bestseller in prayer. And now this book is like, he's putting it all on the table and saying, this is how it connects. This is how it works. And um, so I guess I was a little bit jaded coming into that. Like I saw the reviews on it and I was like, if I'm a, yeah, the same thing. I don't want anyone preaching to me on this stuff. And I've listened to a lot of Eastern spirituality, which to be honest, triggers me a little bit. And when I start hearing just words that just sounds holy, but that just like not saying anything and mm. like my logical brain just starts to break. Like I struggle, but actually really, this is like, I'll, I'll cut somewhat to the chase. This is an amazing book. And I think this might make you more of a believer, Conrad, by the end. And mm. it's an important way, I think, how he starts this, this, this entire thing. So he really comes in, he's just like, because we're really going to set the framework. He's just like, when we say words or when we say things, we, we, need, to, we need to have a right understanding of where we're all coming from. So he's like, if we're going to talk about consciousness, he comes from this Indian perspective on consciousness. And that is that it's not just, and this is going to trigger immediately. I can just see Sam Harris just like, you know, in America right now, go, oh, they felt the disturbance in the force. He's just mm. like, that our mind does not create our own conscious awareness. It's not just that, but it, 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 it reflects it. Mm, hang on. So consciousness is not does coming. Mind not create. From, it reflects. Consciousness doesn't come from ourselves. Oh, so yeah. our mind is a mirror reflecting a greater consciousness. Exactly. Christianity. <clears throat> <Yeah>. <laughs> so consciousness is the ear to, of the ear, the thought of the thought, the speech of the speech, the breath of the breath, and the eye of the eye. It's this light that illuminates things in which it shines. Hmm. So it's this great, you could imagine it, Maybe even more nerds are imagining this. This is how I get this sort of my head around what he's trying to say. Is this that, and this is, we could, whole, I think it's a whole episode, episode looking into this Gnosticism stuff, but this Matrix idea, you know, when like Neo cracks the code on the Matrix and he, instead mm -hmm. of like, it, it's the end, of the end of the first one, he fights Agent Smith and he sees mm. the numbers. He sees the whole thing in code. Mm. And I, all I thought was like, man, that would suck to see green numbers all the time. But <laughs> you know weird? Like those numbers came from some sushi packet. Like this whole time oh, really? we all thought it was like, yeah, it's actually not. Yeah. It means oh, wow. nothing. Uh, they got yeah. the, like, the symbols from some weird sushi packet. So Respect. anyway, so that's just basically how Larry sees the world. He sees it like Neo after he's fought Agent Smith and the whole world is in a sense code coming to us so it's a bit of a different and the, the illusion the great illusion would be i guess and this is where a lot of eastern thought goes the great illusion is mm. that the ego is its own thing and we manufacture our own thing and we're all independent entities and okay okay he it sounds to me like part one he was like here's some evidence to suggest that prayer kind of has some statistical significance. And it sounds like yep. in this book, he's gone from like, hey, I'm just a guy observing this stuff and trying to integrate it. This seems to be like, he's, oh, I'm hearing it, is like, I now know the nature of reality. And he sounds like he's offering me a picture into the nature of reality, which is there is something greater out there. We are all part of it and our minds reflects, reflects it back. And that is sounding super Eastern or Byron mm -hmm. Bay's <laughs> like hundred percent. Yeah. We are all one Matt. That can be summed up in that very, but this guy's a, but, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not out yet. This guy's like some PhD interesting doctor guy. Yeah. Uh, I'm still curious. MD. Yeah. Like he's not some like, yeah, some blogger that's in Byron Bay right now. Just going, you know, to, that's just read some Eckhart Tolle and yeah. He's, and then he's copy and pasting stuff together and, and then he's listened to Oprah okay. and is now now a coach. 
you know, he's this <laughs> yes. guy. <laughs> I listen to a TED It's what all those guys, it's like their, their hero arc. They just start with like yes. a few gurus and they're like, now I'll coach. <laughs> I learned something once. Everyone needs to know this. That's me, man. I do that all the time. Sorry. Anyway, um, so this is still his introduction. He's just trying to set a framework and he's just like, and he, and have you heard of Alan Watts? Have you seen some of his stuff? Oh, like, that name. Seems, yeah, he's, no, he's that guy that like the space thing. If we all look on. Is that that uh, guy? No, I think some people on YouTube have made some stuff around him. He's actually like an amazing philosopher, Buddhist Eastern philosopher. I actually really love his stuff. Like he's a really cool guy. Um, And and his way, Alan Watts, he brings an Alan Watts thing of saying that to to try and get your head around what we're about to go into, it's fruitless. It's almost partly fruitless. Why? Hmm. Because it's like trying to see one's eye with one's eye or it's trying to bite one's teeth Hmm. with one's teeth. And we're, it's almost like I we're like coming into that. this. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, I can do that one. Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> but it's almost like right. coming into this thing. We, you, you can't observe your, like, you know, you can't, we are almost biologically flawed huh. to really understand this stuff. <clears throat> because <clears throat> of this illusion of the self and this biological evolution that we've, trajectory that we've gone on, we've honed these senses in and they're almost part of the problem. Which when science is like saying, I want to observe it, I need to then create a hypothesis, observe it, results, great. But then this falls down when weird shit basically starts to happen in quantum physics. So Bohr and Heisenberg, these are like, he also, he then create, he's leading you into this, just before, this is before he's getting into the book. And I, I think these are really important stop signs before what we dive into, we dive into because it sets the framework because one person says consciousness and they're a Byron Bay influencer and they like, and another, mm. and then Sam Harris is consciousness and saying consciousness mm. ends and starts in the brain. And there's no evidence. Show me the evidence of where this exists outside of that. Mm-hmm. And so you've got these Different competing worlds, worlds mm. you know, of uh, guru versus science. And you have the, 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 the four horsemen of the atheist movement, just mm. smashing this stuff. And I've even yeah, seen Sam time. Harris in an interview just going, like, just, like, just because quantum physics is weird, like, if I'm going to learn more about quantum physics, I'm not going to talk to some new age guru, right? Who, like, <laughs> reads some studies and, and it all of a sudden is, a, is, mm. is an expert on quantum physics, which is mm. very triggering to someone like Sam, which is, I think, fair as we go into this. But even, like, some of the top guys, Nobel Prize winning quantum physicists, you know, Bohr and Heisenberg, right? They, they went out on this thing um, to just a mastermind in some, I think, you know, it was in Austria, some hut or somewhere. And they basically, an interesting summation they came to and they came up with an interesting metaphor for all of this. It's just like, language is, is really simply not possible. And it's like logic is restricted in some unknown way that we're trying to get our heads around because of this observer effect mm. and everything. There is nothing in the human experience that is comparable. So it's just like, we are going out there to try, like, it's, it's, and then this is the illustration. Trying to clean the dirty dishes with no clean cloths and dirty water. It's like, you can get it to some extent. You can just, mm. just sort of see it, but it's not enough. It's never properly clean. You're just, mm. you're, you're still, like, it's almost like a biological, like, it's just hum- the way that we are, and the way that we've even built the society around us, the way that we've built our education system around us is, it's almost like a fruitless endeavor. And Max Planck said, you know, science cannot solve the ultimate, you know, this mystery of nature because we ourselves are part of nature and therefore part of the mystery we are trying to solve. Mm. Yes, okay, I... I think I see what, what's happening here. It's like science does its best to become objective about everything and try and stand on the hill and over- survey everything from this objective standpoint by like trying to have intersubjectivity by getting everybody's opinions and collating, blah, blah, blah. But <clears throat> this is saying that there is some kind of inherent limitation because we can't, don't have the tools this is, it's still a science is still a perspective that comes from ourselves. It's still this limited 
things we can't see. There's a frequency out there that we're not attuned to be able to see. And just because we can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist kind of, kind of thing. Yeah, and we see some very, some very wild things in quantum physics, which are impossible to explain. And the issue is, is that we're observing it. The observer yes. changes the impact of the experiment, which sort of screws. It's a mind-bending. Yeah, it, it screws the fundamental thing. It's just what I think Alan Watts was saying. It's just like, it's like trying to see one's eye with one's eye. It's just like we are flawed with this because we have mm. an ego and we observe and we see it and we're so convinced of that relationship. We're not seeing the subatomic level of how this all is. We're just like, we are so convinced of that, of that illusion that we, we miss it. So I, I liked... There's this part of this in the start of the book, and I thought this was really cool. He's just like, so we proceed, and here we go with dirty dishcloths and all. Like, he was just very open to that point of just saying, what we're about to go down into this rabbit hole, literal rabbit hole of stuff and weird shit. Yeah. We're not, and me and you and him, we're just fumbling around in the darkness trying to but onward we go yeah but onward we go but (laughs) and i think that's a good place honestly before going in i think personally as i i I spent a lot of time in this guy's material i feel that's a great that's a great just foundation of just Mm. like we have not the right tools for the job and we're going to be frustrated it's going to be a bit dark it's going to be somewhat contradictory and but here we go anyway all right, and here so we go. question is, Conrad, are you ready for it? Are you ready? Are you ready to change? Are you ready to <laughs> to intersect yourself with this consciousness mm. and and um, you know and find a new dimension to your life? Are you ready for it? Well, I like the disclaimer. It's like, yeah, we can't truly fully know anything, but as far as we can know, are you ready to buy this product, Conrad? Are you ready, <laughs> are you ready for me to convince you of the reality? <laughs> I haven't seen him yet picturing that of all just saying, well, like, I'll show you how to attract the next million dollars into your life mm, and you'll get checks in the mail and everything. So we're not going there. Um, okay. And so he goes into a bit of like this, this understanding of, from, comes from Buddhism that um, there's this like this one mind concept is obviously not his. He's just like putting together a whole like collating a lot of data. And he's just basically saying there's this collective like unitary domain of intelligence that all individuals are, are kind of a part of. So this one mind concept. So if you're wondering why we're talking about a one mind all of a sudden, this is, this yes, is, why? This is the, like, the one mind, we're talking about this because it's a, this is a possible framework for how prayer works. So, okay, so he's trying just to if you're getting a little it. bit lost now, you're just like, okay. Matt, like all this matrix talk and... You know, like, you know, teeth of teeth and eye of eye. Like, at the end of the day, yeah, what yeah. we're trying to do is just, like, see how Larry has created this world, a framework okay. to see how this prayer could work. And so, you're just like... If we accept the premise that prayer, prayer has some statistical impact on large groups of people and medical outcomes that cannot be explained, here is a possible theory as to how prayer to a nondescript kind of God could work. Yes, 100%. Okay. So... Again, we're going in with some dirty dishcloths and trying to try this on, but this is what I think could be as well a very helpful paradigm in not understanding just, you know, prayer, but also God in a sense. And perhaps trying to put a, if you look back on your life and you might have a lot of pain around the whole God concept, but sometimes some moments of transcendence or sometimes you've had something you couldn't explain. Maybe this is a more potentially, I'm interested in how you would either like, you know, digest this, Conrad, maybe even less triggering idea of God, that if there's like a domain of intelligence and it's not some like patriarchal like guy that just has mm. random fits of oh. racism in the, you know, or like genocide, mm. it's all these Bible writers, people who wrote the Quran, I sort of have like and, and these prophets and sages have at times and Jesus have have interacted like have intersected themselves with this one mind. Okay. So you're redefining almost the what God could be in this world. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is not original and it's not original to Larry. 
but I yeah. think the way he, what I really enjoy about how he, he, he tries to put, he, coming as a scientist, he tries to use the less triggering spiritual language and create some basic frameworks, which we can all agree on before he starts going through some yeah. really interesting stories. Um, these guys yeah. done a lot of talking, so he's collated a lot of stories in his life of like random stuff people have told him. Obviously, his book is not about investigating every single one of those stories. The, we're just going to have to dirty dishcloths and all, take his word for some of this stuff. Um, but I've read enough around this topic to know as well that he's not just making stuff up like just to sell his book or to make it more entertaining. I think this guy yeah. is saying this is actually even possibly the answer, Conrad, that we all need in this divided world that we live mm. in. And so I like this illustration, being a bit geeky. He's just like, it's like this, if we were to describe this God and this function, how prayer can work and how God is, it's like this invisible, non-physical cloud computing platform. Yeah, I bet you like that. <laughs> <laughs> Infinite cloud storage, user-free, no need for linkage. All kinds are already connected non-locally. Distance in place does not apply. There is no there. Inverted commas. This is there. A- this is a sermon being given to Gen Z in like some youth pastor. So God's kind of like it. Yeah. Cloud, cloud computer, computer. guys. Oh, no way. Like some TikTok, kids like, Dropbox sucks. Not that guy. <laughs> 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 okay. Um, I'm, I'm with you so far. That's the kind yeah, of so God. 3D, you know, through this 3D experience is how we interact and our human experience is quite poor at interacting with this one mind. So I've sort of alluded to that before. Um, and... He then, like, this is so, and I, and I sort of like that idea as well. It's just like, okay, it's not because it's like some of these questions on suffering. A lot of people have prayed for a loved one. I've been there as a pastor when people are dying, and loved ones are putting, like, are, are praying so earnestly for someone to get healed, and it's not happening. I've obviously seen the random stories of healings, and I've you can go back into my podcast episode where I go through some really interesting experiences that I've had with healings. But what I think the big pain point for people when they've had some tragic event and I've been there in rooms with people trying to raise someone from the dead, it's really heavy, like, and it's not happening, is in the sense of like, if God is this personal, you know, if he's literally like me in the sky, why wouldn't he try and save that person? Mm, that's a maybe, very deconstruction point where people just go, nah, I'm done with this, you know? Yeah, but maybe it's not like that. Maybe God is, he is in that sense, but it's it's almost like a network of what we've, what we make him in that sense. And it's just like this, that's why he's using like this cloud storage, cloud thing. Like everyone uses Google Cloud probably now to some extent. Sounds Um, like an impersonal God. Sounds like- I think so. God is more like a force or like a, like a, a cloud computer that we tap into that like a that's not drop storage <laughs> storage system or, or something so like how does he get here what's like the what are the stories that he's using that draw him to this conclusion of like god might look like this and that's why prayer operates like this so these are true stories coming from him right so i can't verify something like most of, some of these are on media some of them are not and so okay. These are just some of this, and like, I would encourage you to read the book. And, but these are some of the stories that have just, I really enjoyed. Um, the, the book is just, I, there's not enough time to go through all of them. Like, it's just full of them. It's just like insane. Um, but here's this really interesting one. So this lady, you know, she's on the East Coast of the US. And she's just like, all of a sudden she just feels, wow, like something, something's wrong. Something's deeply wrong. And... She's just, she's feeling something deeply wrong. She can't, she, she can't put a thing on it. She's just trying to get her head around it. Like, what is, what is this? What is this? And then there's like, bang. Appears in her mind. Never happened to her before. She's not paranoid schizophrenic. This is the foot, like. Like lost style. Yeah, lost. Like the damn stupid, the number thing that we took us seasons to work out what the fuck it was talking about. String of numbers appears. And she doesn't go out and put on Lotto. She picks up the phone and she dials. Dude, dude. Dials that string of numbers. Yeah. 
And it's like, bring, bring. It's actually working. Bring, 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 bring. And she's like, hello, emergency. She's like, ah, oh, who am I uh, 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 talking to? Um, and this nurse is like, oh, it's, who? it's like a nurse that's picked up an emergency. She's like, who are you? Like, she's like, oh, this is my, this is my name. And um, she's like, oh, yeah, 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 yes. I'll go get um, Dr. Smith. She's like, what? So she's, you know, gets put on hold and then Dr. Smith picks up the phone. He's just like, um, hello. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, so your son, yes, he was just involved in, he's just assuming she's calling in. She was, your son was just involved in a serious car accident. He's fine. Uh, we've stabilized him. And um, yes, he, it's going to be fine. Weird story, hey? And this book is full of those stories. Like, the weirdest stuff that has been documented as well of like this lady waking up in the middle of the night and then just like, bang, she just has this huge explosion. She yeah. goes to the doctor. She's like, last night I had this crazy explosion in, um, in my mind. I don't know what it was. Like, what is it? What is it? It was actually from World War II. Her, um, that was unfortunately the night that her husband died in a, uh, in a submarine sinking. Same sort of like, must've been a mine that, that I think a mine hit the submarine. And so, He's just using all these just really interesting stories. And this is just one another of one. many. You got another one? Um, oh, this, one oh th- th- this could go on for a long time if I go through all of them. But, okay, so um, different, slightly different topic. Premonitions before you travel. You've heard of those ones, Conrad? Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, people that just have some premonition that there's a crash that happened and they, and they don't board the flight. Right. So, Air France 447... Um, me being an av- aviation geek, I know a lot about. I don't want to get caught down rabbit holes as to how this thing happened, but and why you have friends after being so into aviation. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like a secret little thing, secret little passion that I don't tell many people yeah. about. Sarah comes in, she's I like, "Why are you that. watching another business class review?" I'm like, <laughs> "Come on, now I'm gonna do it." <laughs> One, well, yeah. Um, and so, anyway, so Air France. Just a quick summary: it was a massive crash that happened. I think late 2000s like one of the worst in recent history, two pilots fought each, like each other on different joysticks and the thing crashed in the middle of the ocean um, and everyone died. And super sad story. So ba- it, the weird thing is happening because this is on, actually on Dutch TV. So Stefan uh, Vanoff, I can't pronounce his Dutch name very well. Um, he had this premonition that something really bad was about to happen on that flight. That specific flight. So he had, um, you know, like a, a, a very specific premonition about it to his friend. He called his friend. He said, do not board that plane. So this plane's taking off, I think, from Rio. Um, it was flying from Brazil to France, um, to Paris. And he's just like, do not board that plane. Something bad's about to happen. Something bad about to happen. And bang. Um, obviously, the guy's just like, okay, I'll cancel the flight. And obviously, the plane crashes and he saves his friend's life. Anyway, so this guy was on Dutch TV talking about how... The- would you board that plane, Matt, if I called you? I don't know. After reading this book, I probably wouldn't. I probably still would board the plane. <laughs> and if it was someone I trusted, if they were like, maybe not parent, you know, if they didn't have a mental health disorder, I would like... And, and it's someone I trusted, I'm like, well, really? you know, particularly if Conrad, you called me, I'm like, Conrad's oh, yeah, not the yeah. most spiritual guy in the sense of like, he's not... You know, he's just not like, he's a pretty rational dude. Like, in, he's spiritual in different ways. I meant that in spiritual as in you're not some oh, like thanks, man. Thank you, new man. age, you know, like, I just have this, your energy's off today, Matt. Like, I'm just yeah. going to fix yeah, your chakras. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, so, you're not that guy. So, if you said, I think if it came from you, I would take it seriously. Interesting. Interesting. Um, after reading this book, um, you know, and this is just a string of just crazy stuff about, you know, vivid dreams, like of people having these vivid dreams about this. I've just felt something in my breast. This lady had an issue in her breast and she's like, I have, she was told in a dream it's cancer. The exact location, the doctors are like, there's no lump, there's no evidence, blah, blah, blah. And so she was so insistent about it that they took her under surgery. They looked at the exact location they found. It didn't pick, even the best scans weren't picking it up and it was happening at like at this micro cellular level like it was so small this cancer and the doctors were pretty flawed they're just like there's no way she could have known there's no evidence but the only way she got it was from this dream and this very specific 
thing, you know, like data that was given to her. What he finds is that he goes and gives these talks and just there's, there's all these people that come forward and start telling him these stories. And there's this emergency receptionist, right? And she was like, the interesting thing with her is this like, she knew when they came. So there are all these people coming into the uh, emergency and she had some cl clairvoyant gift where she knew which, this is the receptionist, not the doctor, not the nurse. And she knew which ones actually were critical and actually needed help. And it was like proven time and time again. But because of the backlash you can get from some of this stuff, they actually, a few of the nurses kept this entirely secret for years from the hospital. But it was actually the receptionist that was helping them triage these patients because she had some strange gift of perception going on. And that, would, that went on for years. So, um, you know, I, I'm just trying to like, as I said, these are like, so like, you know, how, like, and so I guess he's just trying to then go, okay, there's all this evidence of people that are somewhat connected with each other. We all have some of this story of, that are difficult to understand. Um, and how does this happen? Well, he actually then starts to smash some of these new age isms, he says. Like thoughts are all shared and there's this great, you know, like there's this, oh, if, if you need to get that car, it's just out there ready to be plucked out of the universe and placed in your driveway. Um, mm. And he's like, there's actually something more nuanced going on here, he thinks. He's like, people are connected everywhere, but like, into some extent, but these things that tend to happen, tend to happen with loved ones and they tend to happen where there's like some form of, You'd say it love is a very inverted commas, but it's like that positive, loving, feeling intention towards someone that connects us. Because I don't, there's not enough time to go through all these like myriad of stories about, you know, child, they knew the child was something that was wrong with the child. I had that sixth sense that just kicked in. They came, the child was in trouble. Um, I mean, I gave you the best example, I think, from that section of the numbers appearing in that chick's mind. Um, and so basically, we are connected and it's not some featureless blob. And like he uses the, this, the whole thing of like a stem cell that, you know, uh, you know a, a stem cell can transform into whatever the cell needs, right? So it's like, and this is the same thing of how it works. It's just like the possibilities of this are sort of endless. It's sort of like me and Conrad are connected because we're friends. We think we, you know, we, we talk all the time. We're connected in some way. So this one mind... It, if we, there is something that Conrad needs or I need, we are likely to be the ones connected to each other. And like a stem cell, this one mind thing can sort of like reframe it into whatever it is. And so for some people that's seeing something, some people it's a dream, some people it's a pain. And he goes through all these different examples of how, like how, how, do, why, like all these examples of, and since it like obviously studies as well, where they've put people in, I think I hinted at some of these studies from the previous thing, but they've put people inside chambers and they've seen actual, when people are lovingly, intentionally thinking about one another, they've seen impacts on people's fMRI, you know, brain scan imaging. Like they're actually connected in some way when the person over there is making the thought. So, and Conrad, I, I can see all the look in your face, you're... You're not buying some of this, but... I'm reading the labels. I'm flipping it over. I'm comparing <laughs> prices. <laughs> Can't say it's in my basket. Yeah, yeah. Well, are you an animal lover? I actually don't know that. Oh, I don't mind. Whatever. <laughs> Wouldn't say I love them. Well, he goes on to create like some really fascinating examples of this between us and animals. So do you believe there could be some conscious link between us and animals? No. <laughs> All right. So this is 1920s. Bobby the dog. She's a collie. Uh -huh. um, Good dog. And he or she, actually, I'm not, not sure of that, but doesn't matter. So this family were out holidaying in Indiana. Um, they're from Oregon. And this dog that they love, they grew up with, the, you know, like they had raised her, trained it, and they completely lost Collie the dog. Devastated calling out the police, putting out all the posters, tried for ages to find this dog and couldn't. So, weirdly enough, 
So they, they go on their holiday and then eventually make their way back to Oregon on the West Coast. And so one night he's in bed and he's just, you know, trying to drift off to sleep and hear this like scratching at the door and he's just like, what, 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 what's that? So he gets out of bed and he goes down and opens up the door and there in front of him is Bobby the dog. So he's like, okay, well, that's interesting. Um, that's possible. Yeah, that's interesting. And so he, he releases this story. It's the same dog. They know exactly like who this dog is. He knows it's the same dog. This dog is like beaten up, like, like partly starving. Like what the heck? It's all like mangy and stuff like that. But it's, it's Collie the dog. And so this guy puts, like, tells this incredible story to the media. And the media gets on hold, on, on hold on, like gets behind it. And then people are like, this is, cra- this is a crazy story. So the Oregon Humane Society then investigated the case and they then backtracked Collie the dog's journey. Do you want to guess how far this dog traveled to find his owner? 100 Ks. 2,800 miles. It's like... How far is that? Like from 2,000 miles. So that'd be almost to Perth, yeah? The journey that the dog took to find the owner was not the same journey that the owners took. It was a different journey. But somehow this dog had found its way back to its owner. You know, we know dog smell, sense of smell is, is strong. And he said he's like, he's told this story before in audiences. And then there's always the Conrad at the back that goes, easy, it's pheromones. It's just like <laughs> with the, you know, like with the like prevailing wind direction or whatever, this dog picked up its pheromones over 3,000 miles away and tracked it down. And then he has a lots of reasons why he thinks that's a stupid idea, but that's like not explainable. Why was it then a different journey? Because this Oregon Humane Society looked into this case and it's just like, this is, this is actually so difficult to explain. So this dog became famous. Like it was a famous story and everyone like obviously got behind it. It was just like, just one of those incredible unexplainable stories. Mm. So in how, how are you feeling at this point? Because I'm about to tell another really quite crazy dog story. And I just wanted to think, like, just, I can just see you're not really behind the Coley story. <clears throat> uh, like, you know, tell me, tell me one more and, and, and then we'll see where I am. All right. So there's this Irish soldier in World War I. And um, he, he's one of the first guys to go in at World War I. And um, he's <laughs> this, this World, War, World War I soldier. He, he gets moved to London and he's one of the first guys that goes across to fight. And so before they, he left though, um, him and his wife, they, um, you know, they had to take up their residence. He moved from Ireland down into London and that was where he was stationed. And that's where the wife and the dog stayed. He like, he had this really great connection with his dog. He, he, I think he went across and then he came back for some leave and the dog got super anxious, super anxious about when like the master was going to leave again because he's going back to the front. So the dog was super anxious he went back to the front. So that means crossing the English Channel, going to the front and fighting. And um, once he left that second time, the dog just like, it, it refused all food, like was super depressed and then disappeared. Like they lost it. It was like, weird. Where did it go? So here's this Irish guy in France fighting the Germans it's like, like bombs are going off, tear gas is going off. There's half a million other English soldiers in the area. So you know tear gas, like it's obviously priming you to, so you know as what's about to happen. The pheromones thing. So I'm, yeah, I'm playing the music as this dog. Da-da-da. It's like Star Wars in my brain, man. (laughs) As this thing's dodging the bullets and it's running through all the the foxholes, all like the stench of death that happened in those like World War I trench warfare. And there his freaking dog rocks up and it's the same dog. Almost unbelievable, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) So somehow this dog had traveled... Through London, 40 miles of countryside, it hitched a ride across the English Channel in a boat. It had landed on the other side and then 70 miles through, 
through through countryside and found him on French soil fighting the Germans out of everything that was happening, you know, that was happening in that, in that like around that. Like it was war. So death, mm. destruction, bombs, everything that would make a dog not want to like go into that area, tear gas, very sensitive obviously to dogs and it found him. Unbelievable. <laughs> this goes both ways. So there's this famous author, I forget like his name. He woke up from a dream one night and he, like he left his body and he could see, he was like, he felt like he was um, trapped inside his pet dog. He's like, I was, he's like, I couldn't explain it, but I was in this, in this dream and I felt like I was my dog and I was trapped. And he felt all of a sudden like this immense pain and immense sorrow that he was about to die this dog and he was his dog and he was dying and he couldn't he's like what well, i could i can see like a stream i can see like you know uh, i can see like you know reeds and stuff and i can see a bridge and um and that was it he woke up from the dream he told his wife he's like hey, hey i just had this crazy dream that i was my dog such and such and like yeah like I, I i was him and he's in trouble and he was hurting but he was trying to communicate to me something that it was okay and and, and, and whatnot. And, wow, that's weird. Anyway, they lost him. They didn't know where he was, he's gone. And um, so four days later, they find him dead in the stream. And they're like, okay, interesting. The vet calculated that this dog had been dead for more than three days. And mm. from a serious impact trauma. Then he spoke to the railway wor- workers and claim, and he they coincided the dream to the where because they found a serious impact trauma in those reeds in the water floating, and they calculated that the tra- the train had hit that dog around the same time as a major train goes through that area. It's not a super busy area. Hmm. Interesting. And even animals protect humans. Like you've heard of these stories of like in New Zealand, it was the Ocean Beach in New Zealand, 2004. These lifesavers are out there doing their thing um, with some younger lifesavers. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, they see like seven bottled-nosed dolphins doing some weird circuit around them. And they're just like, what's going on here? And he's just like, they're just like smashing their tails and they're just doing this really tight circuit around them and, and, and are not going away. The guy that's the actual head lifesaver looks out and he sees a 10-foot great white shark circling them. But those dolphins stayed for 40 minutes and did not move away from the humans. The, the shark would come in, the dolphins would go bananas around them doing these like tight loops and stuff. And he's trying, he can see it and he's not letting the, like the, some younger girls know that there's a 10-foot great white in the area. He's just trying to keep everyone calm. But, and they're just like, whoa, the dolphins. Like, <laughs> and he's just watching this thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a 10-foot great white that's like circling. And um, there was such commotion in the area uh, that another boat came over and they got them on the boat. Like they could see the dolphins, people like, and the guys like handling out, but trying not to be like, you know, freak out everyone out. Um, and yeah, overcame the boat, the shark left, saved them. And then like, obviously there's so many stories with this. I've seen mm. people that have jumped, I've heard of stories, people documentaries jumping off bridges gonna kill themselves and they regret it as soon as they jump off they hit the water and then seals are keeping them up because they've just crushed their legs and everything and then just in time for the water police to pick them up um and this and this he goes on for stories and stories and um even bees bees are crazy man like he goes into these crazy stories of bees there's all these weird cultural folklore around bees beehives and when beekeeper the beekeeper dies you have to tell the bees otherwise they piss off they just leave. They just get, they're just like, screw this, beekeeper's gone, I'm done. And they bail. There's some weird folklore to, that exists. What? You have to tell the bees. Hey, You have bee. to tell the bees, Conrad. <laughs> hey, bee, uh, Johnny's dead. Well, that's all right. No worries. I'll see yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> there, it's actually, I'd never heard of this. This is nuts. And so, you've got to tell the bees, otherwise the bees leave. And so, he went through these stories and it's like, anyway... There's one. There's so many weird parts of this story, but anyway, at the end, one time this this happened, and um, it was vi- visibly documented. They told the bees that the beekeeper had died, and they're at the funeral. 
It's just like no honey in the area or anything. It's just like what the hell? And there's like there's this bee group coming around, swirl over the coffin of the beekeeper outdoors i was imagining in a church no 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 yeah no no there was an indoor church story of like one of the key bees like settling over the like daughter and like coming to the coffin and then leaving and everyone going what that was one of those stories but this this one i found really interesting it's just like the whole hive circling over the coffin of the beekeeper and then going back and they don't leave if you tell them but anyway you should do some research you got to tell the bees if the beekeeper dies and so, anyway, obviously, this, that was just like a little fun, funny anecdote that I okay. thought was re- really interesting. Um, yeah. He goes into NDEs, and we've covered NDEs on the show before. Um, and one final story um, before we, I guess, got to start to bring some of this together is, like, I've studied NDEs a lot. Um, the episode that, you know, that you've you heard me do of Anita's story, I think, is compelling, interesting. And a lot of the conclusions that she came to were similar to what Larry's laying out here in this book. But have you heard of collective NDEs, Conrad? Well, multiple people all about to die yes. having the same experience. Yeah. No. <laughs> so there was these firefighters. They were, um, you know, they're out fighting this crazy fire and they're, they're going to get swept. Like this fire's coming through and they're screwed. They're surrounded. And all of these guys are just you'd standard like, you know, Soul of the Earth, firefighter guys, never had any experiences before, no history of mental health. And so this one guy is telling, recounting the stories, the fire comes through and they're like choking and the fire's, you know, and they can see part of like the, the you know, the, 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 the truck is getting hit and they're screwed, right? Massive fire in the US somewhere. And he just then exits his body as a, a, a typical near experience feels that love sensation, no more pain in his body. And um, he feels it has this sense of that it's, he can, has a choice. And he's like, well, I don't really want to go back to that really charred. I don't want to be like a burnt sufferer. I'd prefer to just pass on at this point. And he was told by this collective intelligence that he would be fine. There would be no burning, which was hard for him to believe. But he's like, oh, okay. In, the, in that event, I will go back into my body. So he comes back, you can imagine like back to ground zero, fires passed, everything's black, melted equipment all around him. Expected to look over and see like, you know, just like Terminator 2, you know, like charred skeletons. That's just like when I, when I think of this, like really gross of his friends. And they're all sitting there fine as well. And they're just like, what the heck has just happened? Conrad, every single one of those people had the same experience. They all exited their bodies. They all made the choice. And they all looked around to each other and they all confirmed to come back and none of them had any burns on them. Also unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this book is just like your deep dive into this stuff. And we Mm. actually, there's obviously not enough time to cover all of them. But he, I love how he comes home with the book. It's essentially... It's not just about love, it's about... And he actually even goes to how, how perhaps it explains some of our worst parts of humanity and the sense of, like, why does, like, some, like, get-rich-quick schemes catch on and then people, it finishes and everyone goes, like, oh, what happened? Or, like, why, you know, the Nuremberg rallies in Nazi Germany, the one mind kicked in in a bad way, in the sense, perhaps, in the sense that we were all able to rally around this thing. So he goes through different explanations and then he actually sees that this one mind thing actually could be a platform of hope. That perhaps that if we were to come to this realization that we're all connected and we're all one, then obviously uh, we can escape that together. And with that knowledge, it would make the planet, you know, climate change, all these things we can connect to and go, okay, all this stuff is really important. We are all connected. And so instead of it being like a religious thing of like, don't murder... Um, but you know, if you're like a, a right-wing fundamentalist, you can still justify murder from the Bible through like you know ethnic cleansing and be like, okay, we need to like go in there and kill people. This is like this is the platform that perhaps can create a better world. And I'm just at a lot of crazy different stories, little funny anecdotes that I got out of the book. But tell me, Conrad, are you convinced or? 
I'm just seeing, seeing this mind just struggle a little bit with what I'm saying. Yeah, I I feel like I hear I hear a lot of different ways of processing this. If you would like to hear the rest of that episode, you can head to ideasdigest.org, sign up, support the show, become a super friend, and you'll get access to the rest of these episodes. No more annoying fade-outs at the end of an episode. All your support is greatly appreciated. And remember, send us through any feuds you're coming across on Facebook, any comment battles, any family feuds. What ideas are dividing everybody this week in the news or on your social media feeds? We'd love to hear about it and dive into those ideas and find out what is behind them. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch everyone in the next episode.